How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Friday, October 27th. We haven't really talked yet on this show about the new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. One thing that jumped out at me from his acceptance speech on Wednesday, and I don't know if this has got a lot of attention, was that he leaned into being what you might call a creationist. And the idea that the country was founded to be kind of a religious state. He emphasized the point when giving his take on the most famous line in the Declaration of Independence, which he described as our creed. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal. He was making the point that God created people We weren't just born equal. We were created equal. He didn't lean into the equal part of that. He leaned into the created part of that uh, as he was making a point in some other lines that God called him to be speaker and God decided that everyone else in Congress was destined to be there too and the country was founded on mixing church and state. So it's no surprise that he holds very conservative Christian political positions as well, like he voted for a federal cap on when abortions could be performed rather than and leave it to the states. And the big thing about Mike Johnson that you probably have heard is that he was an architect of the election denial movement in Congress. The New York Times article on him yesterday said he was a key architect of his party's objections to certifying President Biden's victory and that he didn't just mouth support for the big lie. He went so far as to collect signatures for a legal brief that tried to throw out the results in four battleground states that Biden won. So what happens if something like that comes up again? But he is Speaker of the House, not just some obscure member from Louisiana. We'll talk about that in a minute with New York Congressman Dan Goldman. But one of the surprising things to some people in the New York area is that the Republicans in the crucial swing districts that we're covering around here, who all voted against Jim Jordan for speaker, all voted for Mike Johnson, who is arguably just as right-wing. That's Mike Lawler, Anthony D'Esposito, Andrew Garbarito, and Nick LaLota, all no votes on Jim Jordan, all yes votes on Mike Johnson. LaLota, by the way, introduced a measure yesterday to kick his fellow Long Island Republican, George Santos, out of Congress. So we'll talk about that, too, as we get Democratic reaction from Congressman Dan Goldman from the 10th Congressional District, covering lower Manhattan and parts of northwest Brooklyn. Congressman, always good to have you. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks so much, Brian. Great to be with you. Want to start with your basic reaction to the election of Mike Johnson as speaker? Do you think he'll be any better or worse than Kevin McCarthy, who basically followed Trump's lead on everything and everything? 
No, I mean, Kevin McCarthy was ultimately held hostage by the extreme right. Mike Johnson is squarely a part of the extreme MAGA right. And as Donald Trump called him, he is MAGA Mike. And his policy views are as extreme as they could possibly be. And he's as strident about them as one could possibly be. Uh, you mentioned him being the chief architect of the legal strategy to try to overturn the election. He, of course, voted to overturn the election after the insurrection. But he has also been a leading sponsor of a national abortion ban. He has, uh, throughout his career, uh, attacked LGBTQ rights, including marriage equality. He has voiced that the number one priority for Republicans must be to cut Social Security and Medicare. Uh, all up and down the line, he is as extreme as they come. And, you know, I like to say he's Jim Jordan with a sport coat and a southern drawl um, because there's very little daylight between his policy yeah. views and Jim Jordan's. But is there? I want to talk about that a little bit, maybe not on policy, uh, but you called him strident. In fairness to Johnson, in his acceptance speech on Wednesday, he did not sound like, you know, the perpetually antagonistic wing of the party, like a Trump or a Jim Jordan or a Matt Gates. Right at the start, for example, he gave these words of praise. We're going to play a clip. These words of praise to Democratic leader and your colleague from Brooklyn, Hakeem Jeffries. I want to thank uh, Leader Jeffries. Uh, I do look forward to working with you on behalf of the American people. I know we see things from very different points of view. But I know that in your heart, you love and care about this country and you want to do what's right. And so we're going to find common ground there. All right. Your reaction to that? I don't know if Trump or Jim Jordan or maybe Kevin McCarthy, I'm not sure, would ever have said out loud that Hakeem Jeffries loves this country and we're going to find common ground with him. I, I am. Uh, th there is a ray of hope um, because he is unknown. So I hope that what he says is true. Um, but the the problem here is that his consistent views and his consistent voting pattern has been uh, even further, way further to the right than Kevin McCarthy. Uh, he voted against the continuing resolution. He voted against Ukraine aid. He has voted, you know, uh, for all of the culture war. Um, the poison pill amendments that the Republican Party has included in every single bill that's come to the floor. So his his lip service, somewhat like the New York Republicans who you men mentioned, uh, it sounds very good. But in his history, just like with the New York Republicans, actual track record, it's incredibly extreme. And that is the concern. Well, let's talk about those New York area swing district Republicans. And of course, they'll be central to holding the Republican majority next year or losing it to Democrats because those seats are very much in play, at least those four seats um, from the Congress members I mentioned. So, for example, Republican Mike Lawler of Westchester and Rockland, the district on both sides of the Tappan Zee Bridge, voted against Jim Jordan. Lawler is in the bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. And as the Hudson Valley newspaper, The Journal News, reported, Lawler made waves when he spoke openly about working with Democrats to avoid the government shutdown. But he voted for Mike Johnson. And here is Lawler on Fox News yesterday explaining a little of why. You don't have to agree on everything. Uh, certainly, you know, Mike and I don't. And as 
Ed Koch famously said, if you agree with the politician on 12 out of 12 things, go see a psychiatrist. I mean, you know, we're not going to agree on everything, but we need to be able to work together. And I think Mike is somebody who can bring people from all sides together. He, he has the personality and the temperament to do that. Personality and the temperament to do that. So Lawler and the other local swing district Republicans who would not vote for Jim Jordan all did vote for Mike Johnson. But does Lawler have a point? Jim Jordan did not have the temperament to be a successful speaker. I think most Democrats and most Republicans agree on that. But Mike Johnson just might, even if you disagree with him on many issues. At least that's what Lawler was saying. Yeah, I mean, look, part of the problem with Mike Johnson is he's only in his fourth term. He's never been a part of leadership. He's never been a committee chairman. He's entirely unknown. He had never even met Mitch McConnell until yesterday. So, you know, you can point to his temperament. You can point to all of these things to try to justify what ultimately was a vote for a MAGA extremists. And when you look at the civil war that was going on within the Republican Party over the last four weeks in the speaker battle, Ultimately, they went from someone who was held hostage by the right to someone who is part of the extreme MAGA right. And Lawler and Molinaro and Lalota, D'Esposito, Brandon Williams up in 22, which is very much in play. They will all have everything that Mike Johnson does, everything from here on out will be on their backs because they were ultimately the block of voters that got Mike Johnson into the speaker's office. And even on the election denial, you probably agree that Donald Trump is a wannabe authoritarian and democracy itself, our democratic system is at stake if he becomes president again. And we went over at the beginning of the segment um, how extreme Mike Johnson was in that respect in 2020. But listen to this clip of Johnson from near the end of his speech on Wednesday. And I want to make this commitment to you, to my colleagues here and on the other side of the aisle as well. My office is going to be known for trust and transparency and accountability, for good stewardship of the people's treasure, for the honesty and integrity that is incumbent upon us, all of us, here in the people's house. Our system of government is not a perfect system. It's got a lot of challenges, but it is still the best one in the world, and we have an opportunity to preserve it. So maybe he's a wolf in sheep's clothing there, but he didn't say anything about the 2020 election being rigged, like Trump always talks about still. He talked about believing in our system, as we heard at the end of the clip. How, how do you think Americans should hear that part of the speech? Well, I think you can tell everything you need from Donald Trump's behavior over the last several days. Uh, Tom Emmer, the majority whip, uh, who has been in leadership. He's been he's run the uh, NRCC, the fundraising arm for the Republican Congressional Caucus. Uh, he is uh, far more experienced and uh, battle tested than Mike Johnson had the support of the majority, uh, vast majority of the Republican Party. But Tom Emmer voted to certify the election. Tom Emmer voted for the continuing resolution. Tom Emmer is a far more reasonable, practical Republican uh, than Mike Johnson. Donald Trump came out against him and immediately submarined his speakership candidacy. When Donald Trump came out for Mike Johnson, he was immediately elevated. This party is controlled by Donald Trump. 
And we all know that Donald Trump will do everything possible to install himself in the presidency in 2024. And he now has someone as the Speaker of the House who has a track record of trying to unlawfully overturn the election through frivolous legal arguments and manipulation. And Mike Johnson's a smart guy. He's a smart lawyer. Uh, but what he did as part of the 2020 election is he did Donald Trump's bidding. And now Donald Trump has uh, someone uh, aligned with him and associated with him who is going to be the Speaker of the House uh, when Donald Trump's uh, election occurs. If uh, if Trump is even the candidate once we get to next November's election, et cetera. Uh, so play that out for us a little bit. What do you fear could be different if Johnson is Speaker of the House, if the same kind of thing happens next year? Biden beats Trump. Trump makes all these baseless claims of a rigged election. But Mike Johnson, with his record and inclinations on this, is Speaker when we get to that next equivalent of January 6th. I think it's January 3rd in 2025. Yeah, it is. Um, what what is uh, it'll be very much dovetailing with um, when the Congress turns over. Um, but if Mike Johnson remains the speaker, um, he he signed on to a completely bogus, frivolous argument. He voted to overturn the election based on absolute lies. So if Mike Johnson's the speaker of the House, and the Republicans have the majority. The only reason it didn't work this last time uh, was, well, one, Mike Pence, but also because the Democrats had the majority. And so they, the Democrats were able to beat back all of these efforts to overturn the election. If the Republicans are the majority and you have someone who wants to overturn the election, like Mike Johnson, they have a lot better chance of succeeding. All right. Now, um, the other potentially big congressional news from the New York area and in a swing district is that Nassau and Queens Congressman George Santos, who, of course, lied about his whole life and has multiple criminal charges against him, is now also facing an expulsion resolution introduced by one of those local swing district Republicans, Nick Lalota, also from Long Island. My understanding is that this kind of expulsion resolution has to be acted on within two business days so right away, and that it takes a two-thirds majority to actually kick him out. That means the Republicans introducing it will need Democratic votes. Will you vote to expel George Santos from Congress? Yeah, of course. Uh, I voted to expel him in May when we introduced an expulsion motion, and all the same Republicans uh, voted essentially not to expel him. And nothing has changed. He was under indictment. He's now under indictment. If he gets due process, which was the argument they used that uh, back in the spring, why does he not get due process now? This is clearly just a political ploy to save their hide um, because they realize that George Santos is bad for them politically. But they don't actually care about integrity in the House. If they did care about integrity, they would have booted George Santos long ago because he's admitted to defrauding his own voters in order to become a member of Congress. You don't have to wait for a criminal due process when you have the individual who has acknowledged that he lied about significant parts of his past to deceive voters. 
It also turns out that he lied on his campaign finance disclosures, that he defrauded others, uh, that he is an inveterate fraudster of a criminal nature, according to the indictment. But we don't need that to determine that he doesn't belong in the House of Representatives. So this is a cynical political ploy by these Republicans to jump on this bandwagon long after uh, they should have. But of course, if this comes to the floor, uh, we Democrats have said from day one that George Santos does not belong in the House. And we will, of course, vote to expel him. So it the question like really, Brian, is the question uh-huh. is whether there are you know, you need two thirds. It's not just a half. So you're going to need more than the New York Republicans on the Republican side in order to expel him. You'd need about a third of the Republicans if all the Democrats vote to expel him. Do you think you have that? I don't know. I don't know. They, they, I mean, even Mike Johnson said that uh, uh, on TV last night that there's such a slim majority, which, you know, of course, they would prioritize their majority and their power over the integrity uh, of Congress. Um, but that's that is clearly the reason why they have kept him here to this point, because they care far more about their power than they do about uh, making sure that Congress uh, is operating with an upstanding group of people to the extent that it can. Has so, Johnson, as has Johnson, well, as the new speaker, taken a position on expelling George Santos? Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. All he said was uh, that um, it, what I just said, which is that uh, he he acknowledged how slim their majority is. Yeah. Um, so last thing, if it happens there would be a special election to fill the rest of his term. The last member to hold that third district seat was Tom Swazi, a Democrat. This is a genuine swing district. Uh, and Swazi is among many people who have expressed an interest in it. Are you at this point for Tom Swazi or any other candidate if the seat becomes vacant? Right now, I'm very focused on, on making sure there is a special election and getting George Santos out of Congress where he does not belong. Uh, The governor will then be able to determine when the special election is within 30 to 90 days after the expulsion or resignation. And the county chairs uh, from Nassau County and Queens County will make the decision as to who the candidate is. I have every faith that uh, Greg Meeks and Jay Jacobs will choose the very best candidate, and I will certainly support whoever that is. Dan Goldman, Democratic candidate from Lower Manhattan and parts of Northwest Brooklyn, Oh, did I say candidate? Congressman. <laughs> I assume you'll be a candidate again next year. Or you're running for you, you want to announce right now you're running for re-election? <laughs> yes, Brian, I'm running for re-election. <laughs> but Congressman Dan Goldman, thank you very much. Thank you. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.